0: How many of you know he brought the pie? He brought the whole pie. Everything you enjoy, everything you possess, everything you have in your life that you take pleasure from, God gave that to you. Every single thing. We think 10% belongs to him. It's all his. We just get to keep 90%. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? We're talking about money, and I know you're excited about that. Um... Why do we have to talk about money in church because we want to be fully devoted followers of Christ and it is impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Christ without obeying him in the area of our money before I get into today's message how many of you saw that video clip about weekend to remember do you see that good we have a couple right up here on the front row uh, Scott and Sherry Jennings and they are our group leaders for that event and so guys if you will just raise your hand let everybody see you right there if you're interested in weekend uh, weekend remember come up after church and talk to them they'll give you all the details you can pick up a brochure at the information desk and uh, I would highly highly recommend that okay all right we're talking about how to be rich and that is what uh, this title if you've been coming to this series for any length of time you know that uh, When I say how to be rich, I'm not talking about what most people might think I'm talking about. As a matter of fact, I'm not talking about what some Bible preachers and teachers talk about when they talk about being rich. Because there is that system of belief out there that says if you have enough faith and you love God enough and you read the Bible enough and you pray enough and you're close enough to God that you will be rich financially And I do believe God wants to bless you. I do believe he does. But I do also believe that um, there's going to be poverty among us. And there are going to be people who have a lot of faith. Who because of what they've chosen to do for God will never know riches. They will know riches from his perspective. But they won't know riches from the world's perspective. And um, I believe you can have a tremendous faith. Walk in great intimacy with God. And there are going to be times in your life when you struggle financially. Because we're going to see in this message today that this life we live on this earth is a test. God is testing us. We're going to be here for just a little while. And he's watching us to see how we live and see what our priorities are. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. I told you and I'll remind you again that when Jesus walked the face of this earth in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, um, he had more to say about money and possessions and what money buys, and our relationship to money, than he had to say about any other topic. One of the most famous things Jesus ever said about money is in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, when he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And as you've heard in the previous teaching in this series, Jesus meant by that that wherever you put your money, your attention's going to be drawn to that. Uh, you might not even know what uh, Microsoft is, but if you had 100 shares of stock in that, all of a sudden, if you inherited 100 shares of Microsoft stock, all of a sudden you'd be interested in that because you'd have some money there. And Jesus knew that. Where our money is, where our treasure is, that's what our heart will be drawn to. So, what does it mean when we say how to be rich? We want to look at in this series of messages how God wants us to use our money. Our money is a tool. Money is a tool. And so God wants us to use it carefully. We're using as a text 1 Timothy 6 verses 18 through 19 where Paul, that seasoned man of God, is speaking to the young preacher. He talks about using money. He says, tell them, Timothy, tell your churches you are a young pastor and And I am your mentor, and so here's one of the things you need to make sure you tell the churches you serve. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. He said, now, Timothy, if they will use their money to do good, And Timothy, if they will be rich in good works, and Timothy, if they will give happily to people in need, and Timothy, if they will be ready to share with others what God has given them, then they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. I told you all that I don't really know all that that means, but I look forward to finding out. He says this is the only safe investment for eternity. Have you guys been watching the news lately? How many of you know there are no safe investments? I was told as a young man, Farrell, if you will put some money in a money market fund, it will always be there for you. Guess what? Not true. Um, the government right now today is meeting to determine whether they're going to bail out banks And uh, one of the primary concerns they had was the money that people have in money market funds that they thought would always be there for them is now threatened and they could lose it. And so it tells us here in the scripture that the only safe investment, ladies and gentlemen, is the one where you store up treasure in heaven. Let us be reminded in this time when all things are unsure, That there is one sure thing, and it is the investment you make in heaven. There will always be an unimaginable return on that investment. But then God doesn't stop there. He says in the last sentence, and if they will do these four things that I mentioned in verse 18, he said not only will they have something to look forward to in heaven, he said they will live a fruitful Christian life down here as well. I've said it before, I'll say it again, that's a great deal. Isn't that a great deal? All you got to do is be faithful with what God has given you. We're looking at five uh, financial funds or God's five financial investment funds. And we looked at the treasury fund in the first sermon and we talked about tithing. And we talked about how God has called all of his children to give 10% of their income. He gives us 100%. He wants us to give at least 10% back to him. And then he tells us if we will do that, then he will bless us for trusting him and and for believing that he's going to take care of us. Some of us haven't learned that lesson. i got to be real frank with you here. Some of us haven't come to that level of trust in God that we can give God 10% Of the 100% he gives to us. that, That we can give one dime out of every dollar God gives us that we just give him one dime back. Now the promise from God, and God doesn't lie, is that if we will give him that dime back and believe in him, that he will bless us tremendously. He will bless us in ways we cannot be imagined. But isn't it amazing today that most Christians do not trust God when he tells them that. When he says, if you will give me 10 cents out of every dollar, I promise I'll take care of you. So many don't trust what he says. They they don't believe him. You say, oh, no, no, I believe him. I just can't do it. No, not going to let you off. If you believe him, do it. If you believe God, do that. Step out and give God 10 cents out of every dollar. Because, see, tithing is to be done as an act of worship. When we pass the bags around and you drop it in there, let it be worship, undesignated, no strings attached. You give that money undesignated. You give it in the place where you worship and you give it when you worship. Listen, I'm telling you that the giving of your money on Sunday morning is a major part of your whole worship experience in church. So when you drop that envelope in that bag, you make that a time with you and God. And I know it only takes like a second to drop it in there. But you pray and say, God, when I do this, when that bag comes by me and I drop this in there, let it be an act of worship. Let me tell you what we're going to do next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to receive an offering fit for a king. And we're going to have a lot of different things going on next Sunday. We're going to have some drama and we're going to have worship and And we're going to have stations set up, and here's what we're going to ask you to do. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. There will be about five stations set up in the church, and there will be a wooden cross at each station. And inside your worship program will be a blank piece of white paper. And what we want you to do is write down on that piece of paper anything you want to write down on it. If you're battling with fear, write that down. If you're battling with depression, write that down. If you're battling with knowing God's will, whatever you are struggling with, whatever you want to give to Jesus, whatever you want to lay down at the cross, we want you to write it on that piece of paper. Your name and phone number. I'm just kidding about that. No, you don't write that. Just write it down on that piece of paper. You walk up to that cross, and we're going to have push pins there, and you're going to pin that to the cross. And you're going to give that to Jesus and you're going to lay it at his feet. And we want you to do this as a family. And then we're going to have communion set up for you. And you will partake of communion at any station you choose to go to. You'll partake of communion. And then we want you to light a candle. And we want you to spend some time in prayer with your family. And then at every station will be a place to give your offering next Sunday. So we're asking you to do that. We're just putting that challenge out there. And we'll remind you this week about doing that. And and, uh, we don't want you to come and forget, you know, what we're doing next Sunday. So we'll send out a little postcard this week and remind you. Would you do something for me as your pastor? Would you just pray with your family? Would you take the hand of your wife? And would you take the hand of your children? Would you say, dear Lord, what would you have us do? What would you have us do? Let me tell you something this is, what I'm about to say to you is not manipulative, I promise you. Because Millie and I have done this very thing that I'm telling you to do. Ladies and gentlemen, the best way to secure your future down here is to stay faithful to God in your giving. You say, oh, you're talking about you and the church and making sure you get taken care of. No, I am not. I'm talking about God. Whether you give your money here or whether you give it at some other church. Because we have people here today who are visiting from other churches. I'm telling you that if you will be faithful to God, he will take care of you in the famine. He will take care of you when there is a famine. He will take care of you in the time of trouble. You read that story of Elijah. The Bible says when all the people turned against God, That there was no rain for three and a half years because of the disobedience of the people. But the Bible says God sent Elijah to a brook called Cherith. And then he sent bread and flesh. The birds would bring in bread and flesh. And I don't know what that is in your book, but in my book, that's ham biscuit. So while everybody else was was dying, while everybody else was dying of, of malnutrition and thirst, God took care of his man. You be faithful to God. Be faithful to God. And if you think I'm saying that so it will benefit me, then be faithful to God somewhere else. But be faithful to God. If you will do it, he will take care of you in the time of trouble. BB&T, and I love BB&T, and they are a wonderful bank, and that's where I've got my millions. But uh, bb and can't take care of you. I don't know who signs your check, but they can't take care of you. Listen to me this morning. It comes from his mighty hand. It comes from his hand. And when that brook dries up in your life, if you will trust him, he will put you by the brook cheereth where the water flows and take care of you in the famine. I believe that's a word from the Lord today. I speak that to you today. I hope you receive that. Then God wants us to give in his mutual fund, to his mutual fund. And uh, when we talked about the mutual fund, God's uh, investment fund there, we talked about how that God wants us to bless other believers. We talked last week about God's growth fund. You remember that? And we talked about using your money to grow spiritually, using your money to purchase books and CDs and and get training and and become stronger in the things of God. This weekend, to remember, if you uh, feel led to be involved in that, God would be pleased with that use of your money. Things of that nature are are pleasing to God. And what we want to look at today is God's equity service fund. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at two funds today. So put on your tennis shoes and get ready to run, because we're going to run through a lot of scripture today. And uh, in this point, when we talk about God's... um, equity service plan uh, fund, Um, we're going to say this morning, we're teaching this morning that God uh, wants us to serve him. One of the ways God wants us to serve him is by serving others. Now, we've already talked about giving to other believers. You remember that? Because the Bible says, as a matter of fact, Jesus said, they will know, the people who are outside the church, will know you are my disciples when they see you taking care of each other when they see you loving each other in the church. So that's why we put that big emphasis out in the second message. But today, we're going to talk about helping people who may not be believers. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about today helping people who may be total strangers as we talk about the equity service fund. We um, give you the chance to give to this fund often. Anytime you give to missions, you're giving to the equity service fund. Anytime you give to bread of life, Bread of Life is a ministry, it's a benevolence ministry where we set aside some funds to help people who are struggling through financial difficulty. And so um, we give you that opportunity. But you may feel led to just give somebody something straight, not through the church. Now if you want to give something through the church, we'll try to accommodate you. But you may just feel led to go, you know, I don't even care about getting credit for this or this going on my giving record. I just want to bless somebody. And God will bless you for that. He will bless you for that. There was a church in Greece that did this. And uh, Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 5. This church was going through a famine. So in order for, listen, watch this. In order for God to take care of them, they gave. They were going through a famine. But in order to know and rest assured at night that God was going to take care of them, they gave out of their poverty. Watch this. Paul says, now I want to tell you, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done for the churches in Macedonia. Though they have been going through much trouble, look at this, these churches have been going through much trouble, and they've also been going through hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty. I didn't know you could have wonderful joy and deep poverty. Did you all? Lord, Usually when I'm going through deep poverty, I don't have a lot of joy. But that's not how it's supposed to be. He says, their wonderful joy and deep poverty, here's how they've dealt with this, has overflowed in rich generosity. What? That is so backwards from the world system, isn't it? Look at the next verse. For I can clearly, or for I can testify, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us. I love this. They be- Listen now. Let's go back up to verse 2. Uh, um, much trouble, hard times, deep poverty. Yet in verse 4, they begged us again and again for the gracious privilege of sharing in the gift for the Christians in Jerusalem. That is amazing. This church goes, please, please, don't leave us out. Don't leave us out. Don't leave us out of giving and blessing others. Don't, don't let us miss out on that blessing, please. They begged and said, I know we are going through hard times, and I know we're in deep poverty, and I know that we're going through uh, um, trouble, but, but don't, don't leave us out when you take up an offering to bless others. Isn't that incredible? And then in verse 5, best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes. For their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us. Remember I told you last week that we give ourselves as an offering? Romans 12 and 1, present yourself an offering to God. Look what he says there in verse 8, this ties in with that. He says, best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and to us for whatever directions God might give them. Then Paul commends the church at Philippi for their generosity in Philippians 4, 15 through 19. He says, as you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news, the gospel, and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this, Paul says. Even when I was in Thessalonica, even when I wasn't ministering to you, even when I was at another church ministering to them and I wasn't ministering to you, you sent help more than once to help me when I wasn't even helping you at that particular time. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. You know, when I read that, it sounds like Paul had to do what pastors have to do today because you guys are manipulated so much by Ministers, don't get me started, but I'm telling you, you turn the TV on, and these preachers say, if you will give me one dollar, God will give you ten. You know what? I don't buy that for a minute because here's what they ought to do if they're going to get ten for one, why don't they give their money? Amen? I mean, seriously, it's manipulative, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, I turn my television on, and I hear some of these guys saying stuff, and I'm like, dude, I'm so glad I'm not in that studio with you, because I am allergic to lightning. We need to be careful how we manipulate We need to be careful how we direct it all toward us and say, if you give to me, if you give to us. Let me tell you something. If you don't go to this church and this isn't your church and you're just visiting with us today, don't pay your tithe here. You go pay your tithe. You go give to the church where you receive ministry, where you worship. Because those people, that church is trying to do the work of the Lord as well. So Paul's trying to... You know He's trying to say, listen, I'm not treating you the way you've been treated in the past. I don't say this because I want a gift from you. Paul says, what I want is for you to receive a well-earned reward because of your kindness. Remember I told you in the beginning, my covenant with you is that, that I wouldn't ask something from you, but I would try to provide something for you. That's what Paul's saying right here. And then in verse 18, he says, at the moment, I have all I need, more than I need. When's the last time you heard a preacher say that? especially a TV preacher. See, I used to be on TV. I'm not on TV anymore, so I can talk about TV preachers. Paul said, I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. I bet he didn't like his mom for naming him that. Wow. Uh, They are sweet-smelling sacrifice. What you gave me is a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable to God and pleases Him. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus can i can i just remind you all that that as crazy as everything is right now and as crazy as Wall Street is and, and, you know, people got greedy and and, and all of that and we're all going to feel the pinch of that, can I just tell you something? That it is all God's and he can move it around and do anything he wants to with it. So stay faithful to him. Amen, amen, amen. God didn't put you on the earth to live for yourself, to be some selfish little clod. God put you on this earth to serve other people and make the world a better place. And if you're not doing that, listen to me very carefully. You can get mad at me because I'm talking about you giving your money to others and giving your money to the church. And you can kind of get mad at me about that. But I'm just telling you that one of the reasons God put you on this earth was to bless other people. The word ministry simply means meeting the needs of other people in Jesus' name. Meeting the needs of other people in Jesus' name. Meeting their financial needs, their physical needs, their emotional needs, their practical needs. Paul says to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 8 and 8, he says, I want you, church, this is Paul, their pastor, he says, church, I want you to excel in this gracious ministry of giving, the ministry of giving, the ministry of giving. Acts 20 and 35 says, uh, and we know Luke wrote the book of Acts, he says, we must support the weak, remembering the words of our very own Lord Jesus Christ, who said, it is more blessed, that means happy, to give than to receive, and I found that out when I became a father. Because man, I used to love to get when I was a kid at Christmas time. Amen? Y'all remember those days? But it is not even to compare with the feeling of getting to give to your children at Christmas time as a parent. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's do a little scenario here. Let's say that you had a, let's say you had a, a father who was a multi, multi billionaire. Let's say you're your dad was um who's that Microsoft guy? Bill Gates. Let's say your dad was Bill Gates. Y'all loving that, aren't you? And let's say one day Bill Gates came to you and he said, Um, I've got this, I've got this huge fortune, and I'm gonna give you all of it if you do some things correctly. He said, So, so here's what we're gonna do. I want to share this whole amount with you. But I need to test you to see if you can handle this amount of wealth. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a set amount to live on. I'm going to give you a set amount to live on. And then what I want you to do is decide how you're going to use it. Now, what I would like for you to do as your father, because I know this is right, is I want you, even though I've given you this amount to live on, I want you to to learn to live on less than what I'm going to give you. He says, now, now you, you can have the whole thing. I mean, you can use the whole thing on yourself if you want to. But what I'd like for you to do as your dad, because it shows character, is I'd like for you to learn to live on less than what I give you. And then that margin right in there, that part right in there, I want to watch how you give that away. I want to watch how you invest that to help other people, to bless other people. I want to watch you. And then based on how you manage that margin, how you manage the money that I give you, that's going to determine what we're going to do in the end. Remember now, it's all mine and I'm going to watch to see how you are a steward of what I give you. If you do well, I'm going to give you the whole thing in the end. I'm going to give you the whole thing. Well, what if you had a dad that did that? What would you do? You say, well, I'd be very, very careful of what I did. Well, we do have a dad that did that. Our Heavenly Father did that. He has given you an amount to live on. And we don't like to hear this, but he wants you to live on less than what he gave you. And he's going to watch what you do with that margin right in there. Am I making sense this morning? He's going to watch what you do. Now listen, like it or not, we're being tested we're being tested. Now, now work, work with me here. If we are really blessed, Mr. Bryant Rogers, how old are you? 87. Mr. Bryant Rogers, 87 years old. Now that's blessed, isn't it? Isn't that a blessed life? Looks good, got a tan, looks like he just got back from Florida. And we expect him to be here a whole lot longer. But we know that a person who lives 80, 70, 80, and 90 years, that that's about the maximum. That's as long as we're going to be on this earth. And God says, now now, watch me now. Y'all remember my eternity line? Eternity just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And, and just, I want you to see this long line go right on through that wall and Let's see, we're going north here, so we're going to go to Wilson, and we're just going to keep on going through Rocky Mount and right on up to Virginia. That's eternity. And you're on the earth, compared to eternity, you're on the earth about this this much time. Y'all with me? Everybody understanding? You're on earth about this much time of that long line. And God says, in that little short 70, 80, 90 years, I'm going to watch what you do with the little bit I give you. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to test you. I'm going to see what kind of character you have. What kind of person you are. I'm going to watch how you use your time. Little bitty life. Eternity. See, we put so much focus on this little bitty time we're going to be on this earth. Don't we? Y'all with me? We put so much focus on this little bitty time we're going to be on this earth. And we say, I've got to get this, and I've got to get this, and I've got to get this, and I've got to get this. And God doesn't mind that you get stuff. He doesn't mind that you have stuff. We talked about that last week. You know, I I pointed out that it's not a sin to have a recliner. (laughs) Amen? So you can have stuff. But God wants to know where your heart is. So he's going to watch you in that little short time you live on this earth. He's going to test you on your relationships. Look what the Bible says. Man, this is, I, I got to tell you guys, I'm glad I'm reading this out of the Bible because you might get mad at me if you just heard me say it. Let's look at Proverbs 11, 24. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets, what are stingy people trying to get? More? Well, look what happens when you're stingy. You get, when you're generous, you get a duh. Did Pastor Farrell say that? No. It's right there in your Bible. Here's the point the more you give to the, to the legitimate needs of others, the more God gives to you. Why has God set it up that way? Here's why because He wants you to be like Him. One of the main attributes of God's generosity. And again, I say to you something I've already said. Everything you have, everything you enjoy, everything you possess is because of the generosity of God. And there is one particular group that God really watches how we treat them, and it is the legitimate poor. God watches how we treat the legitimate poor. Now, I use the word legitimate before that because there's a lot of folks that are poor just because they're lazy. and won't work. Isn't that true? But there are legitimate poor Legitimate homeless, there are legitimate people who have nothing. And God watches what we do. Look what he says. As a matter of fact, God cares so much about how we treat the poor that he makes promises to us based on how we treat the poor. Let's read some of them. Proverbs 28, 27. Give to the poor and you will never be in need. If you give to to the legitimate poor, you personally will never be in need. That's the promise of God. But if you close your eyes to the poor, many will curse you. Proverbs 19, 17. When you give to the poor, I love this one. When you give to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord. And the Lord will pay you back. Amen. Unlike some of your good friends and family. Proverbs 2, 15 through 17. Look what he says. James says, Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing. Now, this is is a lot like a lot of us right here. Maybe more like people in the second service, but listen carefully. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing, and you say to them, God bless you. Stay warm, eat well, bye. But then you don't give them any food or clothing. What good does that do? None. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It's dead and useless. One preacher was preaching and he said, the Bible calls the church the body of Christ, but it seems today that most churches have lost their hands and feet. Their hands and feet have been amputated and now they all, all they are is one big mouth. Amen, amen. The church just talks. One fellow said, most churches know what they're against, but you never hear what they're for. In this church called Whitley, you know what I want? You know what my desire is? is that our hands and feet would get reattached and we would be more than just talk. Amen, amen. And we're becoming that. We're not there yet, but we're becoming that kind of church and I want us to keep becoming. Let me close with this. God wants us to finally invest in his global fund. God says, I want you to use some of your money to take the good news to the whole world. I want you to say with me out loud this morning, the whole world. The whole world. Guys, you got to get a world view. You say, well, you know, I just live in the man. (laughs) Best pork in the world in the Amen. Amen. Best sausage. Let's go eat. You say, I live in my little world. I live in my little southern community. I can't have a global impact. You better get a global view. You better have a global impact. I'm telling you right now, God wants us to have a world view. He wants us to have a global view. God wants us to get outside of our little world. And he wants us to see the needs of this whole wide world. One of the greatest ways you can do that is when you're watching the news. Every time you hear a nation called, when you're watching the news, say a prayer for that nation. Pray all the way through the newscast. Father, I don't know them. I don't understand them. I don't understand their religion. I don't understand their culture. But like you, Father, I love them. And I pray your light be shined upon them, O oh God. And all of a sudden, you will begin to have a burden for the nation. For the world. And see, that's so important because when God sees you getting a burden for the nations, a burden for the world, He realizes and He sees that you are becoming more like Him. And nothing pleases us more than when our children follow us and do as we have taught them. I believe the Lord is saying to Whitley Church, as Isaiah 49, 6 says, I believe God is saying to Whitley Church, I'm setting you up as a light for the nations so that my salvation becomes global. My dream is that one day 25% of the income into this church will go for other ministries outside of our church. Amen, amen. If we do that, God will pour in us more than we can stand. In Luke 16 and 9, it's probably one of the most misunderstood verses in the whole Bible. Jesus said, use worldly wealth to gain friends. Sound like God does it, but look what he says use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed in eternal dwellings. Here's what that verse means it doesn't mean take a 20 out and go, Here you go, man, be my pal. Because we know how long that'll last, as long as the money lasts. We know that from the uh, prodigal son parable. So what is God saying there? What is Jesus saying there? Jesus is saying that when you give to the missions offering, when you give to the bread of life offering, when you give to bless other people, you are going to get to heaven one day and somebody is going to say, you remember that Bible you bought? Y'all remember not long ago we were buying those military Bibles? And some of y'all need to get those back to us so we can ship them in. You bought them, but then you kept them. Bring them back. You're going to stand in heaven one day and a soldier may walk up to you and go, listen, you bought me a Bible and it had a note in it that you loved me and you were praying for me. And I was going into a great battle the next day and because I got that Bible, I decided to commit my life to the Lord and the next day in that battle, I lost my life. I'm in heaven because you bought a $5 Bible. That's what he's talking about right here. He's saying, you bought a ticket for wild game night for me and And I went to Wild Game Night and heard the gospel, and that was the beginning of my life changing. You gave me a Christian book. You gave to a missionary, and he came to our village, and he shared Jesus. I believe God's going to reveal this. I believe when we get to heaven, God's going to reveal this, and people are going to come up to us, and we're going to realize in heaven the impact we had. You don't know it now. You don't know it now. We take up missions offerings every third Sunday. We take up bread of life offerings. We send those Bibles out. We we do different things at different times. You don't see it now, but I'm telling you, according to Luke 16, 9, when we get to heaven, we're going to have friends in heaven we didn't even know we had. They're going to come up to us and say, thank you so much for what you did, for what you gave. Thank you. Here's the big question. Is anybody going to go to heaven because of you? Is anybody going to go to heaven because of you, because of something you gave? Because of an act of love that you showed? I ask myself that. Look, I'm not pointing the finger this morning. I'm asking myself, Pharaoh, is anybody going to go to heaven because of something you did? God says when you invest in getting people into heaven, that's the highest use of your money. That's the highest use of your money, to reach one more for Jesus. Is anybody going to heaven because of me? Is anybody going to heaven because of you? If you invest your treasure on earth, if you put all your money down here, did you know with each passing day you're getting further from it? But if you invest in heaven with each passing day, you're getting closer to it? Just think about that a minute. I mean, if you've got, you say, well, I got these CDs and I got the do, 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 do and I'm not using this and I'm not giving it to a missionary and I'm not going to bless the kids' ministry and I'm not going to help them buy their cow because I'm getting a good interest rate on the CD, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you something. When you invest in heaven with each passing day, you're getting closer and closer to your investment. If you put it all down here with each passing day, you're getting further and further away from it. Isn't that true? Look what it says in 3 John 1.8. We must support believers who go on trips like this, talking about a trip to take the gospel somewhere. We must support them so we can work together with them in spreading the truth. We're partners with missionaries. We're partners with the homeless shelter. We're partners partners with the uh, crisis pregnancy center. We're partners with them. Every time we give them a dollar, we're hooking up with them, helping them. 2 Corinthians 9.13, you will honor God through this genuine act of service because of your commitment to spread the good news of Christ and because of your generosity and sharing. You honor God every time you help spread the good news. Is that clear enough for you? Wow. Psalm 2.8, look at this verse. Ask, and I will give you the nations. The whole earth will be yours. Hey, you know what that verse means? That verse means that if you want God's hand on your life, if you want God's hand on your business, if you want God's hand on your career, then the things that are most important to God have to also be most important to you. Whatever's most important to God has to be most important to you. So then we ask this question. What's most important to God? Here's what's most important to God. Listen carefully. It's no more complicated than this. To get people who do not know him to come to know him. You say, what about the gifts of the Spirit? What about the manifestations of the glory of God? That is to get people who do not know him to come to know him. You say, oh, what about music in the church? And what about about great teaching? And what about discipleship? All of that is to help people get those who do not know him to come to know him. Now listen to me. Any church that is about anything other than getting people that do not know him to come to know him, they're off target. I mean, churches that are all about the Sunday morning celebration and everybody coming to church and having a big party and it goes no further than that, they're missing it. I don't care how loud their services are. I don't care how much jumping around is going on. If souls aren't coming into the kingdom, they're missing the mark. It is about bringing people who do not know him to come to know him. So we need to pray and we need to say, God, whatever is top priority in your heart, let it be that in my heart. Whatever is first in your heart, let it be first in my heart. Whatever makes you laugh, I want it to make me laugh. Whatever makes you cry, I want it to make me cry. Whatever makes you sad, I want it to make me sad. Whatever makes you full of joy, I want it to make me full of joy. I want to be like you, and I want my priorities to be like yours. And I know, God, that that is always a process, and I will never arrive totally until I am with you in heaven. But, God, every day of my life, I want to become more and more and more like you. And I want my priorities and my perspective and my worldview to be more and more like yours with each passing day and when we do that man we are lining up and you will look look if you do that you will give don't let me make don't let me scare you right here but you'll give away more than you've ever given away in your life and you'll be more generous than you've ever been in your life because that's how God is but you'll also be less stressed and more blessed than you've ever been in your life when you become like him in the area of giving and generosity this is a lesson for me this is a lesson for me I can't stand up here and preach this to you unless I'm striving for that and I'm telling you Millie and I are working on it every day it's as hard for me to let go of it as it is for you and we'll try to justify why we don't give and why we why we hold on to it there's no justification trust him that's what we're asking you to do next Sunday God says in Malachi 3.10, just test me. Test me. Matter of fact, we put out a little pledge every year. I'll just put it out. I think it kind of makes my deacons nervous. but If you give next week and it doesn't return in blessing to you somehow in your life and you feel like you were led astray, we'll give you money back. We'll give you money back. You just come to us and go, hey, I did that uh, offering fit for a king, and I got to tell you, man, I've been going downhill financially ever since. We'll give you money back. You come tell us. Because I know God doesn't lie. I know He doesn't lie. So let's come and let's be like Him next Sunday. In the middle of economic stress, in the middle of everything being unsure, let us stand true to Him next Sunday. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your challenge to us. It would be my prayer today, God, that if there is someone here who does not know you, that they would not be offended by this message. But, God, that they would say in their heart, I don't know how I'll ever get to that place where he was talking about today, but I want to start today. I want to start. And so, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and Forgive my sin and live in me. I've been running from you and I've been offering up a lot of excuses of varying kinds. But I realize, God, that I need you in my life today. So on this last Sunday in the month of September of the year 2008, I'm asking you into my heart. I'm asking you to come into my life. I'm not going to run from you anymore. I need you. I need you in my life. Come into my life. Wash me and cleanse me with the blood you shed on the cross. Live in my heart today. I invite you in. And then guide every step of my life. For those of you who already know the Lord, I want you to say this prayer. Dear Lord, help me to have your heart. Help me to have your worldview. Help me to have your generous spirit. God, help me to not doubt your word that if I will be faithful in my giving you will take care of me help me to trust you help me to trust your promises and not doubt you we pray these things in your awesome name that is above every name and everybody said thanks for coming God bless you